Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem podcast, where we dissect excellence in human flight. I bring in the best pilots in the world, whether they be acro or hang gliders or paragliders, and, and talk about what makes them so great and try to figure out all the little pieces of that incredible air puzzle uh, that makes them great. And we have broken away from that mold completely in this episode. Uh, I'm really excited to bring you this one. I just had a fantastic talk with Cedar Wright. If you don't know Cedar, uh, he's a very, very famous big wall climber. Uh, he, he does projects with Alex Honnold. His la- latest movie, Sufferfest 2, went really, really well. Uh, premiered last year at Banff. That's where I met Cedar. I was up there uh, with the premiere of our film, 500 Miles nowhere and uh, and shortly after that uh, Cedar was actually at the Banff Film Festival Cedar saw a, a, a paragliding film made by a couple of Australian women and it just totally inspired him to get into the sport so we talk about that um, but yeah this is uh, you know Cedar's got five months under his belt now and uh, he is just <laughs> crazy 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 about paragliding he's got the bug something bad and uh, we thought it'd be really fun to talk to somebody who Who's going through that very initial stage learning process? We, I think he's got about 60 hours. Um, it's a great talk. I think you'll really enjoy it. And uh, we talk a lot about his background and risk. And you know, he's very much a part of. You've seen if you've seen Valley Uprising, he's very much and he was for a long time very much a part of that Yosemite scene. Of, you know, his his good mates and, and mentors and the guys he climbs with are, are people like Peter Croft and uh, Dean Potter, the late Dean Potter, Sean Leary, the late Sean Leary, unfortunately with those wingsuit accidents this last kind of year and a half, um, does a lot of climbing with Alex Honnold, the best of the best. And uh, But I, I think you'll get, you know, what, no matter where you are uh, as a pilot, whether you're a, a beginner or an expert, um, you'll get a lot out of this talk. It's a lot of fun. Cedar's a really funny guy. Uh, and he, this paragliding has become his kind of sky crack, as he calls it. Uh, it's just hysterical. I've been flying with him here in Sun Valley for the last week. And, and I finally sat down last night to do this podcast because I was like, dude, we have got to talk to you on the show. It's just, you are just pumped up and psyched. And it really reminds me of where I was uh, back, you know, eight or nine years ago, whenever I learned how. And uh, it, it's, yeah, it's exciting. You'll enjoy it. So uh, without further ado... See you right. Hi, Cedar. Hey, Gavin. It's good to see you, man. Good to see you. It's great to have you on the uh, Cloud Based Mayhem podcast. I've been really psyched to talk to you for a while. We've had a pretty epic week, and it's nice to just chill for a bit and talk about paragliding no no i'm i'm, I'm obsessed uh, with paragliding right now <laughs> you're calling it your sky crack exactly i've been calling it sky crack because uh, once you once you have the sky crack once you're up there you want to get back up there as quick as possible i'm totally obsessed right yeah, now. i could tell i could tell it's really nice I'm definitely to see the, the, uh, the biggest the, i'm the biggest noob that's ever been on the podcast i would say yeah for sure yeah usually this is you know we're kind of dedicated to uh dissecting excellence in human flight and you're like just a newbie you know just just figured it all out which is really cool i'm, I'm kind of totally excited am. to explore that with you but Let's rewind a little bit, and um, you know, you and I met at Banff last year. I had just seen Sufferfest too, and I was kind of like, "Holy shit, this is so cool!" Like, you've had a really interesting climbing history, and so. 
tell me about what how that all started and where it went, and then maybe that'll lead into uh, totally. why you're becoming interested in the sky crack. Well, it's, it actually that is it, it really Banff was when I saw you up at Banff. That was kind of the start of me be, being interested in, in paragliding, and uh, but yeah, I was showing uh, Sufferfest uh, two, I believe, up there, and uh, and that was the follow up to Sufferfest one, and in those two films, which I uh, directed and produced. Uh, basically, um, it follows myself and, and Alex Honnold, who's you know one of the biggest climbers in, in the world today, um, climbing, biking, and climbing uh, in these long pushes. The first one was that we did all the 14ers in California by bike, and then the uh, the second one was we decided we were going to try to do as many desert towers as we could in the four corners of the United States, and so we biked about like I'd say eight or nine hundred uh, miles uh, and climbed 45 desert towers and. And because the first film, which was just literally... In a pretty just, limited time. Yeah, we did it in three weeks. Yeah, yeah it geez, was heinous. You were pumping. And then the wind was just nuking the whole time, and yeah. we, we got we got pretty worked. We found a puppy, and it was like, I mean, you just have to see the movie, you know, for the paragliders out there who are like, Sufferfest, it's worth checking it's out. It's a wicked film. I, you know, I grew up, well, I didn't grow up climbing, but I did a lot of climbing back in college, and, and I, I've kind of gotten skewed on climbing films, you know, over the years. I, I haven't been into climbing in a long time, but it was just, you know, you see a lot of the kind of the same thing, and just stuff that's just so wicked hard, like, of course, Honnold and you kind of climbed that hard, but it's... Sufferfest is hysterical. You know, it's just it's, so fun. It was so accessible to non-climbers. I think he did a really good job with that. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's kind of was the hope was to you know, you know, like entertain. You know, show people that you know that were kind of that were human. You know, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that that were just goofballs out mm-hmm. there having fun. And because uh, a lot of climbing films, for sure. Um, are a little, you know, a little bit like, you know, man versus mountain, and then I conquered the mountain, and, you know, it's kind of deifying, you know, uh, these different characters in the community, which is, which is fine and cool, but I, I just, you know, none of us are gods. We're all kind of weird, eccentric freaks in the climbing community. So you were really a part of that whole valley uprising, um, you know, genre, living in Camp 4 and doing the dirtbag thing. And, and take me back to those days because you, yeah. and, and where, you know, you, because you came out of the valley, right? You were like Bakersfield, Fresno area and little yeah. town. Yeah. So I, I was uh, born and raised in Toll House. My parents were back to land hippies. I was conceived in a school bus. And, uh, and I was exposed to the outdoors. I mean, we lived, at, you know, in one of the most rural parts of California. I, you know, I backpacked a lot, a lot as a child. Um, you know, my parents were, you know, very adventurous. But I ne- and even though I was an hour and a half from Yosemite Valley, I was never exposed to climbing um, until actually I went off to a school at um, Humboldt State where I got my bachelor's in English. And when I was 21, I was out at the beach and I saw these people on the sea cliffs climbing. And I thought, that looks like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And up to that point, honestly, I had nothing really in life had captured my imagination or my passion. You, were you an athlete? Uh, I was. I was. Yeah. I, I was an athletic person. I did like you know, um, you know, I was like I was number one singles on my tennis team, and okay. uh, little known fact in a uh, in high school, like you know, definitely like a big fish in a very small tennis pond. Mm-hmm. Like I was not good. I was just slightly better than all the people who were terrible at tennis in our high school. But you know, I mean, you know, I did like some cross country and. Uh, you know, I was an athletic person. You know, I loved to go out and explore and hike, and uh, you know, and I, I loved to climb trees and just like you know, explore my environment. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, I went off to college, and I saw these people climbing on these sea cliffs, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was lucky uh, that my roommate had a friend who introduced me to climbing, 
and uh, I was instantly hooked. It was mm. I, it was it was a miracle I made it through college. I was obsessed, mm. and uh, I went on my first climbing trip. You know, about like six months later to Joshua Tree, and um, and it's interesting to see the parallels now that I'm getting into paragliding. That I have this like when I get into something, I go full bore and yeah, I get totally obsessed. I'm the same way, just oh. yeah, you're just you're just getting cracked out. Yeah, yeah, you're like sky cracked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it was the same with climbing. I just I was obsessed. I loved it. It was the first thing in life I think that it really like you know made me super passionate that where I was just like this is what I want to do with my life and so and was I was the draw there like I, I remember from my my climbing days and I, I got really into it in in college and it was the same kind of thing it was just like I just started training and I dieted and I lost a ton of weight and I mean and I was I've always been thin I didn't need to lose weight but it was I gotta be lighter and totally and but what I what I loved about climbing was kind of what I love about paragliding too is it's you can't really be doing something else when you're climbing. It's it's it, it requires a lot of attention. And is that the draw? I always find that people uh, that get into kind of what I don't want to call it extreme sports, but you know that that kind of attention where you know injury or death is a possibility. Um, you know you're you're in the moment. Totally. It's, it's hard for me to find other things that get me in the moment where you're not distracted. Especially these days. Back in those days, we didn't have Facebook and all this other junk, but. You know, it was, it was just, it was, it required a lot of, I have to be here now. Totally. You gotta be present. It's like in environment assisted meditation. Yes. You know, it's right. like, it's a, uh, and definitely that was, I mean, for me, it was just, I mean, for climbing, it was like the whole package. I mean, definitely it was like, it was like just the unknown, the adventure. It was, um, definitely it was like the physical challenge of it and mm-hmm. the athleticism that it required. But I think really what I loved about climbing was just that there was always something new to do. There's always something new to explore. There was, you know, there's always a new climb to check out, a new area to go, to, to go climb in. And, um, I just love that. I love that there was always something new and, uh, to try and to experience. And, uh, I think that's kind of what drew me into it, you know? And were you, were you pursuing it with the idea in mind that you would, you wanted to be the best? Were you pursuing it and that you want, or was it more the community or was it, what was the goal back then? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, a little bit of all those things, it was like a mix, you know, I definitely wanted to, I mean, for sure there, I had these idols, you know, some of these people like, you know, Peter Croft at the time was this person who was doing all these amazing uh, ropeless ascents in our community. He's a real legend in the climbing community. And so he was climbing these climbs without a rope that were just mind blowing. And, and I, you know, as part of me wanted to be like that rad and, and, uh, you know, and then there was, I, you know, I was, I met Dean Potter, um, very early on in my, you know, I showed up in the Valley and met Dean, you know, within the first year I was there and he became one of my good friends and climbing partners. And, and he was just starting to kind of become like a rock God, you know, climbing mm-hmm. God. And, and I was like, I want to be a badass like that for sure. So I mean, that was really part of it. Mentors. Uh, yeah, I was lucky. I had Dean and then I also had my. My buddy, ironically, my buddy Sean Leary, um, who also, um, you know, the two of them both in the last year and a half died in wingsuiting accidents. And those were my two main uh, climbing mentors. I met Sean in Humboldt when I was going to school. so talented. He was incredible. incredible. He's one of the best wingsuit pilots in the the country and uh, an incredible climber, you know, had the speed record on the nose and was, uh, you know, and he was the one who told me, he's, oh, there's this place called Yosemite where people just live in caves and climb all the time, you know, and he's all, you can just go get cans, go get money for like, you know, like cans and dive in the dumpsters and this whole dirt bag climbing culture thing, mm-hmm. you know, was, 
was a big part of it. And that was a big part of it too. So there's the whole, I want to be rad mm -hmm. and uh, I want to push myself as, as hard as I can in the sport. And then there was just this amazing community at the time in Yosemite that I became a part of. And, uh, and so that was a, a really cool part of it. And that's actually one of the things I really am enjoying now that I'm getting into paragliding is the community of it. Like, like even more than climbing, man, like, like I can like a paraglider, I can latch on and we can just like talk and talk and talk about, you know, the air dribble. Oh yeah. You can, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's a small community and we're obsessed. I think yeah. pretty much all of us, you know, who are, are flying are obsessed. And so it's, I love that. I love that, um, that community and that, that, you know, the, the, the mutual passion, um, that you have. And, and so that's been something that, that I continue to love about climbing. And, um, and I've been lucky now to be in this position where I've kind of, I'm, I made it, I became a sponsored climber somehow, some way. Was that a plan? Uh, did you kind of did you see that that was happening like with with Dean and what was that kind of like oh man I can make a living out of this like Dean was my inspiration I think more than mm -hmm. anyone else I saw Dean um you know I watched Dean blow up you know and become a rock star and I was all man I want that I'm all mm -hmm. that looks awesome because I didn't want to work I wanted to climb mm -hmm. all the time sure. you know and I wasn't working I was like living in a cave and then I was working for Yosemite Search and Rescue hardly working at all you know and, and climbing as much as I could just yeah. enough you know mm -hmm. I was climbing you know like least a couple hundred days uh, you know a, a year and um and so you know i was very very obsessed and and but i also i wanted to somehow facilitate that and i thought sponsorship seemed like a really cool way and i got you know really lucky um but it was also very you know focused on wanting to you know make that happen and i was lucky to be i was a writer i was a creative person you know i was a bit of a storyteller and so even though i never really became like the peter croft or the the raddest climber out there. I became like a, you know, someone who could, who could inspire people through his storytelling and through mm -hmm. his, um, you know, and eventually through my filmmaking, which became another, um, outlet, you know, and, and a way to, uh, kind of tell my stories and, and, you know, give value to your sponsors. They all, they want you to be out there and be visible and stuff. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I have, you, you enjoy that game. You enjoy the sponsor game and sure. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind it. I, I, I like it. I, it's awesome. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a mutualistic, relationship you know mm -hmm. what i mean i love i love i'm a um you know an extroverted person i love people i love to tell my stories and uh you know and and i like you know i think i've actually legitimately gotten people psyched entertained them even inspired them mm -hmm. you know and uh i've had people name their freaking kids after me it's crazy dude and i'm yeah. like more than one it's kind of actually a little disturbing I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like that poor kid. I'm always, I'm always gonna. He's gonna move into his truck. He's gonna be a total dirtbag. So I guess to rewind, you know, like to since this is a paragliding pod, podcast, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I watched a bunch of films, but I watched this um, this film. It's called Resounding Silence, and it was made by these two Australian women. Um, their names were Natasha and Gemma. And they were these really cool ladies. And basically, this movie was about them going up to uh, Greenland, I think. And they went deep out into these snowy peaks. And they were, like, doing these cool, like, kind of um, ski mountaineering and, like, uh, you know, alpine-style first ascents. And then they were flying in these lightweight, I think they were, like, maybe ultralight three, like, ozone wings or something. Um, they were doing these paraglide descents. And the thing about it, that struck me was not like, oh my God, this is so extreme. But I was like, 
that looks pretty fun and mellow and mm. kind of accessible. Mm-hmm. It was like the opposite of like maybe like a, a film that you're in or something where I'm like, oh my God, he's so deep. I would never go there. Right. I'm like, God, I hope he gets a thermal. Um, <laughs> versus like this was like, you know, they were like, it was mostly just sledders. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think they got a couple thermals like out on the glacier and stuff. And yeah. uh, But it was just like, it looks so peaceful and accessible. Huh. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I was like, man, it would be amazing to combine these sports the way they are, you know, and maybe, mm-hmm. but then maybe even like take it to the rock climbing, you know, level, like, you know, climb a big wall with a paraglider in there, you know, huck off your stuff with a drug shoot and then paraglide off or yeah. whatever, you know. And what's so interesting about that is that's really how the sport was born. You yeah. Know, it came from hang gliding, but then, I mean, really the first approach, you know, when we, when we spoke to Bill Belcourt about this, the whole start of it, cause he was there in the very beginning yeah. was, you know, it was seen as a descent tool. Totally. You know, seen as, as a way to get down off mountains. And then yeah. very quickly they realize that, wait a minute, this thing's got some potential. They're like, whoa, wait, what's this air pushing me upwards? Mm-hmm. They're like, whoa, maybe I should turn in that and go up more, you know? That must have been a wild moment. A wild moment, I'm sure, yeah. I almost wish I would have been there back then for that. I missed all that, of course. But so you're, the, the, the impetus was this film. Was that also, did that combine with some place you are, you were in in your life? Is, is, is climbing become... It was it was climbing not enough or was it just well, holy I just have to explore this it was kind of you know I guess you know climbing is definitely enough you know I don't need I, I love climbing it's it's amazing but I've always been this person I mean you know the classic example is Sufferfest right I'm like oh we should do a bike tour you know and we yeah. had no idea about bikes and we got totally worked and uh, but I do I love trying new things you know mm-hmm. I love being a beginner again mm-hmm. um, I love that feeling of having you know no idea what you're doing a little bit and having to figure it out you know and so that's in my personality. Um, but there's a, there's a shred of truth to that for sure. I mean, it's like I've been climbing for, you know, over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's kind of like, you know, I, I was kind of joking and saying, you know, like paragliding is kind of like that, like that, that super hot girlfriend. You know what I mean? You're so psyched about her, you know, and she's so, you know, she's so hot and amazing. And you're just like, oh, I just want to spend so much time with her. And you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, 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 and like climbing's become more like, you know, like where that eventually that hot girlfriend, if she's actually an awesome person, eventually you like fall in love with her and you get married and you have this like long-term relationship. And it's, you know, obviously it's not going to be like, oh my God, we just have to bang 24 seven. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. become like, it's going to become like, oh, a couple times a week is enough. And like, you know, but, but the love is deeper, right? right? It right. becomes it's more special. It becomes, yeah, more of a deep, deep love. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's what I feel for climbing. I have this like love for climbing that's um that runs so deep Mm. and um and right now i have this super you know like hot like kind of side chick named paragliding (laughs) yeah and uh and she's she's amazing you know i mean it's it's incredible yeah that's that's what i want we've been talking a lot about that this week you know we we ran into each other at the or show last week down in utah and and you came up and of course i I just finished the x alps and you saw my hat i think and put it together it's like holy shit you know and uh, we've been talking a lot about paragliding since then and it's been, it's it's actually it's been really cool because it's really fired me up because I remember what it was like when I back in 2006 when I was learning I was the same way I was just like holy shit I need to do this as much as possible cracked out totally and so what's been your you're five months in, right? I'm five months in. Well, so it's funny, right? So I saw you at the at the trade show. And so I remember I, I went from being like, oh, oh, yeah, nice to meet you, Gavin, whoever you are, 
to being now five months in and I was like following the X Alps yeah. and I was like, Gavin, holy crap, dude. Like, like, you know, I was like, Oh my God, you're the man. You know, I was like, all like, I was like, I mean, you know, and then I realized, you know, I've been sponsored by black diamond for years. I realized mm -hmm. I'm all, Holy crap. Bill Belcourt mm -hmm. isn't just some guy who works at black diamond. I'm all, he's like friggin' the Yoda of paragliding, you yeah, know, he's yeah. like a legend. He's yeah. like to use that Peter Croft analogy to circle back to that. Exactly. He's like the Peter Croft, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, in a way yeah. of, of he's the sport. Mentored every pilot in the u.s you know he is i mean whether you've met, met him or not he is the dude he's the mentor and so on my way here uh you know to sun valley i uh i actually reached out to him and i i got to spend a day with bill and we went up and and uh, went up to this launch at jupiter and it wasn't really good and then we eventually went over to inspiration and we we launched together and stuff and but it was just i mean he is just a hard hardcore dude he's you an know alpine I mean? guy yeah he's an alpine guy he's, i'm like yeah. yeah i was all man you're like <laughs> you've been hardened by paragliding dude yeah. like yeah he's like a burly burly dude but also he's like a kind of a genius so it was cool to hang out with him and soak up that knowledge and and i'm in a unique position right where i'm like because i'm connected in the community in this way um you know where i had access to him and to you and i'm like totally taking advantage of that because mm -hmm. i want to get good at this sport you know and mm -hmm. it's like it's been five months and I've already done some decent flights. I mean, yesterday, yesterday you took me out. So yesterday, you know, Gavin and I, we, we go out and uh, it's like late in the day. It's been kind of iffy all day and not really a good day to fly. And uh, we get up around four and it's kind of nuking. We hike up to this place called Sun Peak. And I'm like, and he's like, oh, I don't know. We'll just sit and wait. And we waited for about an hour. And, uh, and then Gavin launches. I'm like, all right, it's on. I launch. And... Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm thermaling up and immediately I'm like, God, you were like at 15, you were at 15,000 yeah, in like 15 grand right in like five minutes. Time. Yeah, pretty quick. <laughs> it was like five <laughs> minutes. And I was like, I'm all like, what are you doing? And I'm not. And I'm over like, I'm like thermaling the edge of the thermal and like frisbeeing up the ridge, like, like just getting set really deep and just not getting in the air mass that you were apparently, I think is what was happening. And, uh, but I was making it work, you know, I'm like getting up, I'm getting higher, but it's taking forever. And, uh, and I'm get, I got pretty high, but still, you know, I'm at like 12,000 feet or something and I got whacked. Yeah. I got the hand of God The like, I'd say like most of my wing, like tucked under it, like shot forward. I was like pretty much equal with my wing, like horizontal out there. I went, <laughs> I threw my hands up and I swung underneath and I was just like, I remembered what my instructor, Matt Henze, who's just an incredible pilot told me, which was, you know, if you don't know what to do, just stick your hands up and the, you know, you're on a B glider, it should sort itself out. And eventually that's what it did. But I like the, if you look at my track log, there's like a section you're like, he's like, Oh, he's killing it. He's thermaling up. Oh God. And then it's like, and then you can see my track log. It's like, it's, it's I want to go back. It's like run away. Yeah. It's like run away. Right. And then I like, and then I eventually like I got sunk my teeth into it and I'm like, he's up there. And actually Henzie was watching my spot activity mm -hmm. and he's all, you're doing good. You got it. And texted me and I got this text. He's all keep going. And I was like, okay. I should just like, you know, just shake it off. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. sometimes that happens. You take a collapse in the sport. And so I, I like got back in there and, and I started, you know, circling up in this thermal kind of being like, well, maybe I'll just circle up and go bail, <laughs> go land. And then I was like, oh, I should go, I should fly a little longer. And then, 
And then I finally got into the air mash you got in, and I got up to like 15,000, oh, 15,242 feet, which yeah. is the highest I'd ever been. Yeah. So this is yesterday. Is cool? Oh, dude, my mind was Welcome blown. Welcome to Sun Valley. Yeah. Sun Valley, yeah. dude. Your eyes were wide when oh. I saw you when we landed. Dude, <laughs> it was like, it was sky crack took on a whole new meaning. It was like sky acid. I was just like, <laughs> got down, and I was just like, my mind is blown. Yeah. I was all, <laughs> just all like filled with adrenaline and, uh, and you know, like. Yeah, that was amazing. And yeah. we were, I didn't really go anywhere, but we were looking down on the pioneers. Yeah, you did. That was, you know, that was a proper little intro to XC, you know, flying out the autos and getting deep in the pios a little bit, you know, at least looking at them. And, you know, we've got some cool stuff on the radar, I think, if we get some good weather. But what you were saying a really cool thing the other night, um, like the difference, uh, the, the difference between in, in risk or, or perceived risk between... Uh, paragliding and, and, and climbing like the and consequences and stuff I, I don't know if you remember that conversation but it was like I'd love to hear your thoughts on just because you're you're at that stage that it's like so we, we talk about three kind of stages you go through as a paraglider as a yeah. pilot you know you have the beginner stage where you really don't know what the hell's going on and that's dangerous because you don't know what the hell's going on you totally know? But, but you're also kind of like nervous and scared and you understand that there's some danger and so you know pretty tentative flying and then then there's like the intermediate, we call it intermediate syndrome, where, you know, you've had a few hundred hours at that point and maybe a few hundred flights and and uh, and you can spend a lot of time in intermediate syndrome and where it's kind of like, you know, you've, you've dealt with some things, maybe you've done some SIV, and, uh, but you think you're better than you are. Totally. And, and that's, that's really dangerous. And then we have the hero system, like the ex- expert syndrome, where, you know, like the, that, that whole hero thing that happens in any sport where... Like, I'm you know, a badass. I'm I have, sponsored. I have got this. You yeah, know, I've dealt with a lot of shit, and and or I'm sponsored exactly, and and uh, and then that's dangerous because you have this invincibility, in, invincible, invincible thing going on that's that's can also be dangerous. So you're in that kind of beginner stage where you know like everything's just wild, but it's new. But it's and everything's new. And how how do you compare that to kind of the same? genre and climbing yeah no it's it's, it's interesting you know because i guess i came up in a world of climbing um you know which was a little more risk tolerant i guess i would call it you know i like learned from sean leary it was like my first lead climb was a free solo like literally it was a ropeless climb wow and so he just took me out and we did this like thing that turns out it's like five eight or something and i was up wow. there like kind of shaking over holes and he's pointing at holes for me to grab and stuff and like <laughs> that was my introduction to climbing so i have like a pretty high tolerance for you know for risk and then eventually you know i like i got my expertise up to where you know that five, that same five eight would actually be this super safe like yeah. mellow thing so it'd be kind of the same you know to use that analogy you know like the two of us up in the air yesterday you know what i mean yeah. you're like oh this is delightful and you're boating around and you like covered like all this ground and you're like oh i'm all, oh gavin's over at that valley oh gavin's over at that like ridge and i'm just like frisbeeing up the ridge for like 40 minutes just trying to get in the air mass or whatever you know and it's like and so you were kind of in this super safe like kind of bomber situation and i was more kind of like you know more gripped taking yeah and taking collapses and maybe probably maybe more dangerous too mm-hmm. and uh you know it's a uh, it, it, i don't know it's interesting but um yeah I mean, what i think is valuable as a climber is is that i have a lot of um experience with risk assessment you know mm-hmm. i've managed to uh be relatively you know knock on wood uh injury free and uh and, and safe in this sport for a long time and uh you know i, I definitely don't have any death wish and uh you know which is one of the reasons i i decided against um getting into base jumping when all of my friends were doing it you know dean and stanley two of my best friends were both telling me how amazing it was and 
I just it just seemed too dangerous, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so and so I did a risk assessment with this sport when I decided I was going to do it and I was a little bit nervous about it cuz it was definitely I was like, wow, this is probably more dangerous than climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though whatever the numbers are all nebulous and who knows for sure, but um but uh, you know, I decided that I wanted to try, I decided that it's worth it. And then I'm now when I fly, I definitely try to you know make smart decisions like today today we went out and you're like well those are he's all on a northwest day it could be really rough here in sun valley and he's all you know you should never have a good day on a northwest day and he's all oh, those clouds look really bad and he's all but maybe we could hike up and maybe we could see and i was like you know what um, that's, that's, you know, go do a podcast. You know, let's go do a podcast. <laughs> Drink beer and do a podcast. Like, you know, like, yeah. I can decompress from taking that collapse, like, you know, yesterday and stuff. And and uh, but um, but yeah, you know, there's, it's just a there's a lot to it. You know, it, it's it's. I mean, and, and you've been out there and like, and I've heard some stories from you and from some other folks. And I think every paraglider has their cautionary tale. You know, and I've been really soaking those up because I want to take those seriously and learn from those, you know, about the time that that, you know, that this guy flew into the tree and the time that this guy broke his back and the time that that other guy broke his back. That's one of the bummers of the sport. You're mm-hmm. like, how many freaking people break their backs in the sport? But, um, you know, I, I take that all in and I try to, uh, you know, to, to internalize that, learn from it. And then hopefully, hopefully, you know, enjoy the sport. Cause it's incredible. And that's like, that's life in general is, is that, is that nothing great happens without risk, right? Nothing, uh, you know, and, and it's like a, you can live a completely boring, miserable life taking no risk, right? Yeah. But most of the people who really um, have, you know, who, who have that, who are squeezing the juice out of life, there's some sort of element of risk, you know, whether it's they're risking their life or they're risking, you know, their livelihood, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, you got to put yourself out there to, and paragliding's like that, I guess, but it's incredible, man. Flying yeah. through the air, like it, when you hook into a thermal, oh my God, it's been five months, you know, and I've been like flying as much as I can, but when I like get into a thermal, it's like one, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced for sure. So let's go, that's what I want to talk about is, you, you, you know, your stoke is incredibly infectious and it's really common at, at, at this stage in, in a flying career. I just love to see it and I totally remember it myself and I'm still kind of that way myself. It is just absurd what we're doing up there. Um, but you're, take me back to, okay, I got to learn this. Yeah. So and, I was like, I wanna, yeah, I want to do this. And so how, how did you go about that? So I was, uh, you know, so I was like having a conversation with a buddy of mine, Matt Siegel, who's also a, uh, a North Face athlete about it. And I was like, man, you know, I'm all paragliding, like so rad. It'd be so cool. You know, and at this time it was like more like in my mind, you know, it wasn't about cross country or any of this stuff. I was just like, oh, it'd be cool to like cl- climb stuff and fly off of it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was all, he's all, oh, well, you know, and at this point, uh, Potter was actually learning to paraglide, uh, down. Was he? I didn't know he was. Yeah. Wow, Dean cool. Potter was learning to paraglide down. It's a shame he hadn't like kind of gone more that route. Yeah. And, uh, um, and he was, he was learning to paraglide down in Santa Barbara from, uh, from Eagle paragliding. And, uh, and then I had, a, um, a good, a good friend, um, Zach Smith, who is becoming an accomplished pilot and flying, uh, with, uh, this guy Pete up there who's some sort of, I haven't met him, but he's a sky god up in Colorado. Little Pete. Little Pete, yeah, yeah apparently Little he's Pete's kind a of badass. A, he's like a ninja up there, and uh, Zach Smith was flying with him, and Zach had kind of like his happy and me. He had like become totally cracked out on paragliding, and to the point where he actually had quit climbing and was like, he's already he's now a tandem pilot, and he's like all in with, right. with paragliding and stuff. But so he was one of the first people in our community that was getting into it, and so we reached out to him as a resource, being like, hey, we're interested in this too. 
he recommended uh, going to Santa Barbara in the winter is a great place to learn. And I would say that any new pilots out there, that's um, that's Bob's probably a, Eagle. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I'd say it's a yeah, I'd say it's one of the better places that you could go. Um, you know, uh, Santa Barbara is just an incredible place to learn because it ha- in the winter it has super si- consistent weather and it's got this great Ealings is this training hill and it's just this little grass hill and it's that you can drive up the top of it and you can launch land launch land launch land launch and land it's an amazing place it's oh yeah and it's Santa Barbara so, you're, it's like so bitching yeah you're like you're like living the dream there and stuff you know and yeah. so so anyways we headed down and uh, we set aside two weeks and uh, at the time Rob wasn't around and um, and he had uh, hired um, Matt Henze as his as the instructor and i feel like you know it, it just worked out perfect because matt henzi was a climber mm-hmm. he's like um yeah, i mean really probably one of the top pilots in in, in the country he's like an incredible great pilot, pilot. Yeah. he's a great pilot and uh and he's a great teacher which is a unique combination i think mm-hmm. to get somebody who's not just you know good at teaching but who's actually out there like pushing it so and so he you know kind of just like a little bit before uh, he started teaching us, had already flown this really cool deep line like there in Santa Barbara. And uh, you know, everybody was like, whoa, nobody goes that way. Like, you know, he flew into the Lee and over the mountains and stuff. And, uh, and you know, really ballsy pilot and kind of the perfect guy to teach us, you know, mm-hmm. um, because uh, he got us as climbers. And, you know, he understood that we were a little more go for it. And, and we were, and it was great because we like bivvied up there at Rob's little kind of like hood that mm-hmm. he has up there. And, uh, and, and Matt was up there too and so it was like every morning we'd get up we'd have coffee we'd talk paragliding and then we'd go to Ealings and we'd launch land launch land and uh, and by day I think it was day four or five uh, we were up there um, at the Skyport launch and uh, I was like oh my god we're about to like launch off a freaking 3,000 foot of descent mountain mm-hmm. and, uh, and and we went for it I flew off the mountain and when I landed I was like this is amazing oh my god Oh my God. It was just like, uh-huh. I hadn't felt that way about something since climbing. Right. I hadn't right. been that into something since climbing, you know, mm-hmm. other than my, my wife, you know? Yeah. Right. But, um, but yeah, so it was, it was, uh, I feel so grateful to, to Henzi for, you know, passing it on and he's become totally my sensei and that's why I came up here. Henzi's here, um, doing tandems right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was like, Oh, I'm going to go up to where my instructor is and you know, and then turns out he's in the biggest air in the world. <laughs> exactly, it's <laughs> month five, month five, and I'm taking seventy percenters with my hands up, and then thermaling up to seventy thousand, so like however many feet, you know, fifteen thousand feet with Gavin McClurg. I'm all like, it's just your typical learning curve, fucking yeah. yeah. paragliding. It's a little more accentuated than I think yeah. most people have. Yeah, no, totally. I'd say so. You know, I've done some like you know, like like twenty mile XCs now and stuff. I did my little goal of flying from Boulder to Lions at my mm-hmm. local site in Boulder. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to fly Dunlap and flew my local site in Toll House. And you flew, I flew Wood Rat? You yeah, I flew Wood Rat. Rat. I, went to the, I went to Wood Rat and got to have that whole experience of, like, thermaling with some of the best pilots in the country, like hundreds of pilots in the air and mm-hmm. getting to know the air and seeing how they think. And so many times I'd be like, wait, why'd they move? And they're just like this sense, you know, that, oh, the thermal was drifting and they all, like, drifted over and I'm still, like, circling in the... In the not the lift, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at this at this stage, you know, typically like five months in, like everything is kind of mind blowing, and you're learning it just this incredible arc. Um, but is there is there anything that's really standing out in terms of like this is what I really need to focus on, or this is what's really important, or this is this is where are you right now in your development? 
Well, so for for me, well, I'm like, so it's so funny, right? Because initially I was like, I'm all like, it's, I'm all, I just want to be able to fly up mountains and land. You know, I didn't know, like, I don't even care about catching thermals. And then I caught my first thermal and I was like, it's so funny, right? Now I'm just like, I want to fly, I want to, you know, do a 50K and a 100K and a 100 mile flight. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm yeah. totally, you get those it. are goals. I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's cool to fly off something, but it's the real magic is when you hook into a thermal and then you go on, you, you go on glide and then you hook into another thermal and now you're like going places, mm-hmm. you know, and then you traveling. Know, yeah, you're traveling and you're going, you're seeing the world from a completely unique perspective. You know, it's like, it's, it, it, you're having a, an experience that very few people in the world get to have. And it, I think it's probably in it, it, one of the most amazing things you could experience in life is being like a bird using the rising air of the invisible medium to go up and then to travel. It's incredible. It's like definitely the most incredible experience that I've ever had. And that's pretty amazing. I mean, you've been all over the world and climbed all over the world and climbed with some of the raddest climbers in the world. I mean, Alex Honnold doesn't get much better than that. And to hear you say that is really, really cool. I mean, and and I think that's the outside world that hasn't flown doesn't really get that. I mean, I think that what we portray in films and that kind of thing is it's just very mellow, cruising along, these little pretty-looking gliders that are almost kind of like balloons. And, and uh, you know, when you get into it, it's intense, isn't it? It's oh. like there's a lot more intensity there, and, and, and there's a lot more... Uh, commitment. Commitment. Yeah. Exactly. It's balls, dude. Yeah. I mean, that's like... it's There's like a whole level of go for it, you know? Like the whole concept of flying deep is such a cool concept. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, like, Kenzie's like, when in doubt, go deep. You know, that's what he told me, you know? And that's like, man, that's like, talk about a a philosophy system Mm -hmm. and and talk about an adventure, man. Yeah. To just be like going into the unknown, you know? And I'm not quite there yet. I'm definitely like, I'm really stoked on XE and I'm really, um, you know, trying to do little XEs and stuff, but I'm definitely flying LZ to LZ, mm-hmm. you know, but I get it. I get to where you get to this point where you have this expertise where, where you can fly deep into places where there's no LZ, knowing that you're going to get that climb and, or knowing that you can like soar the ridge until you get the climb mm-hmm. and, uh, having that level of expertise. And like, I, I really admire it. It's really, I really look up to people like you and, and Bill and Henzi as, as these people who are, I mean, you've become like this crazy, like, like magician of the air, you know, it's like this, you've become, you've basically become, you've generated this awareness of this invisible medium that not many people have, you mm. know what I mean? And the sensitivity to it, you know, and then you can go out and have these incredible adventures because of it. So it's like, uh, I'm in awe. I think it's amazing. That's cool. I, a very good mutual friend of ours, Will Gad, you know, who you've climbed with and I've flown with, of course, you know, he... He says frequently in his talks and stuff that it's the freest thing he's ever done. It's the freest thing he knows of to do. Yeah, and totally. I dig that. So this is classic. So you know, Bill is just classic, and you know, I got to spend that day with him, uh, flying with Bill, and and he's always all the thing about paragliding is you can't rat bolt the sky, and so for for people out there who aren't um, climbers, rat bolting is or, or you know, or he's all you can't retro bolt the sky. You know, it's all the thing about. You know, the thing about paragliding is you can't retrobolt the sky. And what he means by that is in climbing, retrobolting would be where you add bolts to an existing climb to make it safer. Yeah. And 
and it, the, the beauty of it to him is the purity of it, right? Yeah. And uh, it, it's that there's, you can't dumb it down. You can't make it safer. It's inherently dangerous. It's inherently risky. It's inherently adventurous. Mm-hmm. It's, and all of those things, are, you know, uh, are what make it so amazing and, and what make it such a special, uh, you know, experience. And then it ingests, it is such a singular experience because it's like, uh, has these parallels to surfing where you're like waiting for that set to come in. You're waiting for that magic wave, you know, and, and you're waiting for that magic day with that amazing weather, you know, and it's like, and weather's like, there's no, no day is ever exactly the same. Every day is, mm-hmm. is weird, you know, and it's, and especially here in Sun Valley. You're never, ever, ever going to have the same experience under a paraglider ever. Yeah. You know, that's what's really cool to me is that you're never going to, it's never going to be the same. You're never going to land and go, wow, that was just like the flight I took yesterday. It's, that's <laughs> never going to happen. Ever. Yeah. Maybe at the point of the mountain, like soaring the ridge back and forth, yeah. like, it was just like last time, but in cross country, I mean, you know what I mean? You're not, you, It's like, there's just so much to it. You know, the weather is so mysterious and volatile and just intricate you is know? it overwhelming to you right now at this stage is, is are there are there aspects of it that are just like whoa man pretty much all of it well so like <laughs> like i'm like like i've never been good with northeast west south mm-hmm. so that's been a real struggle <laughs> direction direction i'm i have no sense of direction you don't know where you're going totally. we, that, that's great that's perfect that works no out sense direction um you know it's just like you know, I, I kind of learned quickly not, you know, about the Lee and Wood Rat and stuff. And then, but, you know, then you learn that for every rule, which is never fly in the Lee, that, you know, all the, the that you go and you fly in the Lee, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, it's like all the, all the rules are meant to be broken a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's just as long as you know you're breaking the rule. There's a lot to it. I'm starting to take it in and I'm, I'm like super hungry for, for information. I'm a very obsessive person. Mm-hmm. And when I go into something, I go all in. And so I've definitely been you know, educating myself as much as I can. And, and, but there's a lot, it's a lot of information. I mean, it's, it's one of the most intellectual sports in the world. I would think I would say we were trying to come up with this thing yesterday. It's like chess with an alligator. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, totally. Or, you know what I mean? It's like a mix of like, it's like you have to play chess while like friggin' like, uh, you know, running with the bulls mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. like this weird mix of like super high hyper intellectual um reasoning skills and you know and problem solving and you know making these split second decisions you know that could um increase or end your flight mm-hmm. and but at the same time there's this like intensity to it there's this like level of risk and there's this it's just intense man mm-hmm. and the deeper you go the more intense it gets and, and then being able to prolong that for hours, right? Being able to stay in that state of making the right decisions, you know, when there's this, just the weight of the severity of the situation that you're in, you're in the air, you don't necessarily belong here. You don't yeah. have wings, yeah. you know what I mean? You don't you, belong up there. No, <laughs> so no. We've all dreamt up since the beginning of time, but we don't belong there. We don't necessarily belong there. And strings. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah, the, the, the Bill Belcourt thing. You know, I like reached out to him. I'm all, dude, we got to go fly. And he's all, he's all, yep, it's pretty amazing what you can do with some nylon and kite string. I'm all, yeah, that's like the understatement of all time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's what you just have they to experience. Amazing it. machines. Totally. Everyone should experience it in their lifetime, even if they just take a tandem. Mm-hmm. That you know, you should experience. The, the the unpowered human flight, you know, you really hopefully get a tandem where you get at least to soar or to uh, to feel what it's like to go into a thermal and go up. It's feel like what it's like to be a bird. 
Yeah. Yeah, to circle, you literally just circle like a bird and go up. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's not just that simple, you know? I mean, it's just like just the reason that you were able to be up at 15 in five minutes and it took me like 45 minutes to get up there. And it was just a lack of sensitivity and a lack of experience. And That's just hours. Totally. It's hours. Just getting, and, just getting the hours. Well, and then, well, like, yeah, natural ability too, and who knows, you know? Well, what do you think it is that, so, you know, I moved here because mm-hmm. I, I I had been told by Nick Grease, who's the, another Jedi in the air. We we were we've done this flying expedition down in Haiti in 2012, and that's when I was really experiencing my what you're going through now. I, I just like holy shit, I got to do this all the time. Um, and he said, you know, to to fly big air, you I, I was looking for a place to live, and and he he said, you know, to fly big lines in in North America, you should live in Sun Valley or Jackson or the Sierras and the Owens. And these are all places that you and I don't know quite well. Spent a lot of time there. And I ended up here, which was the best decision of my life. But it's not for everybody flying in Sun Valley. This is very big air, as are those other places. And that's why we can go far from Jackson and Sun Valley and the Owens. And there are other places too, but in my mind, these are about the biggest top three spots in the world. what is it that you know a five-month pilot to come here and fly in the middle of the day is is something i think we're all like holy shit who the fuck is this guy Uh, but what do you think it is about your your personality and you're you're approaching it conservatively and you're being safe and you're and you're really questioning and 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 which is these are all really great things so you're you're doing it in in the right way absolutely um but you know, we have a community of people here that would that have been flying here for 15 years that don't fly here in the middle of the day. They fly in the mornings and they fly in the evenings and they fly in the glass off and stuff and they'll just never go there. What is it that's different about you or your approach or is it, is it because of the desire or is it because you're you're just more comfortable with risk? Yeah, I think it's a mix of, of, of a lot. Of, I'm a very adventurous person. You know what I mean? I have already decided that I, you know, would like to you know, like do some Brad XC stuff in my lifetime. I'd like to fly a hundred miles someday mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, or even whatever, even more important than that, I want to like go, you know, like what Dave Turner did, like flying over the Sierra. That's so freaking cool. Like even more than distance, like flying, interacting with like that terrain in this magical way, being able to cross over a range, that stuff to me is just so compelling. And so, and you know, and so I've just been all in and like, I've decided that's something I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to do that, you know, you got to come to Sun Valley and fly in the middle of the day. That's just the way it is. You got to taste it. Yeah. And well, and you know, to, it's not like it's been five months, but so I'm like in this unique situation as a professional climber where I don't have a real job and where I've got a a lot of free time and I've been taking all that free time and I've been flying a lot. So, you know, I'm like, got, you know, like 160 flights or something in five months and you know, I'm coming up on like maybe like 60 or so hours of flying in the last five months. So, you know, I'm like getting, especially when you consider that, you know, that it's like hard as a beginner to stay up for many hours, to get those hours, you know, it's like as you get better, you can get more hours. But I say that's a pretty good, Mm -hmm. I have a pretty good base, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, uh, and I'm current and I've been like, you know, and I've been beyond that, I've been kiting a lot and, uh, and trying to uh, be a master of my wing and uh, I've been taking my wing out in pretty high winds and, um, and you know, getting drug around a little bit and learning to, you know, to, to kill the wing and, and, uh, and, and to, you know, put it up and, you know, getting plucked up 15 feet in the air and then killing the wing and <laughs> crashing. And, but, you know, I mean, but like getting, like getting there, you know, getting, getting there and to understanding, you know, how to get that wing nice and overhead. And, and that, you know, going back to what am I focused on right now? 
launches and landings. I just want to have perfect launches. And then even, you know, cause I feel like launches kind of come naturally to me and I'm like, got a good sense of like the wing and, and, you know, and I'm pretty good at killing it if I don't like it. And then, and, uh, and then bring it up and, and it looks good and I go. Um, but the landings, it's like a lot trickier. And, uh, and if you want to be a good XC pilot, you want to be really good at landing cause you're going to be landing out. There's going to be no flags, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, it, it could be a small LZ. There could be trees, there could be weird wind gradients, there could be rotor, there can be all this stuff. And so there's just so much the, to it, to landing, you know what I mean? Because it's not over until you're on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and really the moment of truth is that final, in my mind, you know, it seems to me, my instincts tell me the most dangerous point, you know, in the flight is when you take off. And when you land, yeah, ninety nine percent of the accident that you, you're flying when you're high. You know, I think that's the, the that's the number one question I get. That, wow, aren't you really scared when you're really high? And like, no, no, no. Yeah, when I'm on the deck. Totally. When I'm close to the ground, that's what hurts. Yeah, yeah that's, that's like the, everything in this yeah. sport. Is, the air doesn't kill you. The ground does. Uh, you know, you got what I mean, time in the air. You got time to deal with things in, but it's the ground is the ground is unforgiving. It is. I want to dial that in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the you know, it's it's like you know, it's not the it's it's not the fall that kills you. And it's, uh, so it's, yeah, that's just important to me. I want to dial it in. I want to be a spot landing master. I want to, uh, you know, be a really good active pilot because like as important as that is when you're like 3000 foot over the deck and you're controlling your wing and keeping it open. Um, man, that's really important when you're like 70 feet off the deck, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was actually that day with Bill, you know, one of his good buddies, like, you know, Yeah, Brandon, he got whacked, man. It was kind of a bummer, like, because we went out and we all flew together, and I just took off and boated around Inspo, and those guys all went to Salt Lake and, you know, did the classic, you know, XC stuff. And I started to follow, and then I was like, I'm following Enzo. This is not going to go well. And I came back and boated around and landed. And, and but, you know, he just, he, he got, he came in, and he got whacked. And, uh, you know, he broke over the, over the LZ, over the LZ. Yeah. He took a, uh, he took a back collapse over the LZ and he, he went in and, uh, and not to, I mean, obviously he's an expert pilot and that's just like, that's the bummer of the sport is bad shit happens. Bad luck happens. You know, you go into a thermic LZ and you get whacked and there's like nothing you can do about it. But I certainly, um, want to diminish my chances of, of getting hurt by being a really good active pilot. So that's why, you know, and just staying on my B wing for a long time, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And push that B-wing as far as I can, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, although it's been interesting, you know, I was in Wood Rat, dude, and I already totally get it. I see that syndrome of like, you just want to get on the hotter wing, get on the hotter wing, because, you know, I'm like, I was like going on glide with Enzo's, you know what I mean? And they were like, hi. Yeah, they're like, bye, later, loser. <laughs> I'd be like, brr, and like, you know, lose all this elevation and be way slower. And like, I'd come in super low in the lee and be thermally in the lee and trying to get up. And meanwhile, they're like, they'd like, we're out on some peak and some perfect, like, nice, you know, thermal and getting high. And I was like, oh man, maybe I need an Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> next year. Yeah, next, yeah, next year, year. Next year, I'll be on an Enzo. Right <laughs> but no, I'm pretty realistic about all that stuff. I'm just going to, you know, try to stay humble. And, um, but at the same time, try to push it. It's like a, you know, in anything, you know, it's that you got to assess your own personal, you know, tolerance for risk. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get injured. I don't even want to like, you know, sprain an angle, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I want to, uh, you know, I want to fly to Fort Collins right now. It's my next goal from Boulder, you know, it's like the flight to Fort Collins. How far is that? Oh, I think it's like probably 50, 60 K or something like that. It's a big flight, you know, and you got to go deep, but it's pretty reasonable. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's more about, um, commitment. I think there's a lot of LZs and, Mm -hmm. 
you know, plenty it's just, to land there's and... plenty of places to land and it's like, it's pretty, it's like, you know, it's not like here where you're going super deep on some of these lines like you guys fly where it's just like mind blowing where you guys go. I'm just like, it blows my mind, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, that you guys go that deep and. Well, I, think, is, I think it was cool yesterday when we landed, we were kind of talking about the flight and we were talking about, you know, how I was climbing faster and stuff. And, uh, you know, you, you, you'd gotten this really nice, beautiful climb late and you were kind of like, you were kind of looking at the piles and that was our original plan, but we had some land we were dealing with and stuff. But you were talking about like, I, I could see it. I could, I could go back there and, and if I got another climb, I could, I could climb there and then I could keep going. And I was like, well, wait a minute. So the, the first, the first thing you got to change is you will get a climb. You're in big mountains and it's booming and we're getting all these bigger climbs in smaller mountains. It's not if. You will find a climb back there. And you were like, yes, okay. I, I get I it. I get that. Totally. All right. And, and that's the that's a huge difference right there. It's just is just understanding that, you know, if you're if you're if you're at the right time of the day and things are working and you're looking for triggers and we talk about flying, you know, the it, there's three levels in the sky. You're either flying the, near the ground and you're looking for ground features. You're flying the middle of the sky where you're either flying, you're flying both. You're flying the clouds if they're, if it's not a blue day and you're flying the ground and then, or you're in the top third of the sky and you're flying the clouds. You're not really even worrying about triggers. You know, that, that doesn't it's, exist you anymore. You can't even tell in the sky. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I think a, a big, a big part of it is just that different mindset. Like I will go there and that will work. And if it doesn't, I've just got to go, this is option two, or this is option totally. three. And I can see this kind of like you were, you geared like, oh, of course. I got it. Once I, I got go that back high. there and I will get another climb. I'm 15 grand now. I'm going to go back into the mountains that are 13,000 feet high. I'm, I'm going go to go terrain to 17, terrain right now. I'm going to go 17. Yeah. You know? With no O2. And yeah. Well, then it's kind of like, <laughs> why should I do that? You know, maybe that's not a good thing to play with hypoxia five months in. But <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm all at 15, special part of this 15 place. grand at like five months in. I'm yeah. pretty stoked about it. I mean it was dude being at 15,000 feet like because I was like wow I'm higher than any of the mountains in the, in the contiguous United States at yeah. all that's amazing that I've used amazing. like rising air to go higher than you can climb in the, yeah. in the in, in, you know in the in, in the lower 48 so that was pretty friggy mind-blowing and then I could totally see you know the you know like the next steps you know and like since I've been here the weather's been a little iffy and it's been super windy and ratty and which has been in some ways more instructive. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't had the epic days since I've been here, but in some ways it's like when you don't have the epic days and when you're kind of you kind of struggling a little bit more and stuff, you know, or like flying at the end of the day like we did or just taking what you can get, um, it, it gets more instructive. But, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's, it's I, I am hoping we actually get one of these epic days. I've heard you guys have them here. We will. We, get them here. Them. we will. Uh, so what are your, what are your uh, you know, kind of like if you could – just have an open slate in front of you with paragliding. What are you, I know you're you're planning this really cool flight off uh, Orizaba down in Mexico potentially this winter. Yeah, and uh, you've got some plans maybe to fly in Valle or what? What are, what are you kind of you're you're latched onto this thing big time? But oh yeah, um, how is that being steered right now? And what are you know? Because I know that you know what pays the bills is climbing. Um, you know, can you, are you planning on kind of taking a break from climbing to pursue this? Or are you going to kind of weave them both together or? Totally. I mean, yeah, definitely. So I, you know, I don't want to lose sight of my love for climbing, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, and I want to combine the sports. Um, at the same time I had this attitude, you know, I was like, wow, I love this. I like love this sport, you know? And so, and I was like, I, I, in my mind, I was all, and it's, this is dangerous mm -hmm. and I want to build a really solid base, like all at once. I want to go all in 
and just build this rad base that I believe will make me um, a safer pilot mm -hmm. because I just have this like I'll just build it all at once and it's just like you know there's no replacement for hours in the sky and so I'm trying to get a lot of them all at once and I feel like that's really valuable and uh, and then you know eventually I do I mean I have I still have ambitions as a climber and stuff you know and I and I want to uh, to do more rad stuff as a climber but definitely always in the back of my mind I think probably for the rest of my life I'll be like well how can I, you know, fly off or, oh, on my rest days, where can I fly or, mm. you know what I mean? Or, oh, is this going to be a climbing trip or a paragliding trip? I totally can see that there's going to be both, you know what I mean? And I'm going to have to find the balance and, um, and right. And then also, you know, professionally, it's like, well, I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to do something cool, you know, with the, you know, the North Face has been with me since, uh, the very beginning, you know, mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been sponsored by the North Face for like over 12 years. Mm -hmm. And so, and they, and they do these fun, like more like little expeditions each year with different athletes. And so I pitched this idea of, Hey, you know, me and, and Matt Siegel were new to paragliding. We're going to, as total noobs, go to Orizaba and fly off of it. It's only been flown from the summit once by a famous, um, like professional, um, Paul Guselbauer. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Like probably a slightly better paraglider than us. And, uh, and but at the same time I saw the video of him doing it and I was like that looks kind of like a morning sledder like mm -hmm. it's just a morning sledder from 19,000 feet you know yeah. it could if you can like so you're kind of combining both your passions you're climbing up it and that's on. the hope yeah I'm like and I and I was definitely like I was like well I want to combine them both you know I want to climb up something and fly off it but I want it to be something that's well, I want it to be rad, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I want it for, and not even just rad, like, oh, people think I'm rad, because paragliders would be like, oh, that's cool, whatever, but just more like, I want it to, in my mind, to be a sick experience, which I think mm -hmm. flying off a 19,000 foot mountain is a pretty friggin' sick thing, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, I want it to be like a fun story with friends, and, you know, maybe make a little film out of it, and uh, so that's the plan, and then I want to bring along Henzi, because he's like started this whole mayhem, he's my instructor, mm -hmm. and so we're bringing him as our safety officer, slash, um, you know, cameraman, slash character in the film, and uh, yeah, and we're going to go down to Valle and, uh, and train in advance, and then we'll head over to Orizaba, and mm -hmm. hopefully get good weather, and fly off of it, and maybe just sit up there and realize it was a terrible idea, and question my life decisions my life choices you know but you know that's a that's like an adventure that's right as well you know you make a you, you come up with a crazy idea and and then you try to pull it off right and that's like uh something that we all should do in life we should have some crazy audacious goal that we're not sure we can pull off and then just have at it see if you can so that's that's orizaba this winter and we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I really dig that you're thinking big this early into the sport. That's really cool. You know, I mean, yeah. I think that, I think that's, you know, one thing that I've seen this, this really cool transition and maybe it's been happening longer than I can, that, that that's been obvious to me, but there's, there's a lot of really passionate people and we're in a really cool time in this sport that was like, you know, back in your days at living in Camp 4 in Yosemite, it kind of feels like that to me. You know, totally. It's like climbing was 30 years ago where people are just like finding the unknown. And there's yeah. so, I mean, the, the potential in, in, in the, the, in North America and really in a lot, a lot of parts of the world is just so untapped and it's, it's pretty cool to look at like a blank slate, you know, just be looking at maps and questioning, is this possible? Is it possible? No one, no What's one the knows. new line? No, no one's one flown this line no before. It. No one's gone over this. Nobody's yeah. flown for you guys. No one's flown to Jackson. Why haven't you yeah. guys done that? You can fucking yeah. hurry up and do it already. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Come, on, what the hell? Come on, fly to Jackson. so hard for that thing. It's so yeah. simple. It's just right over there. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's the beauty of it. And, and well, and for me, 
it's like, you know, one of the, um, you know, I love climbing and I love that there's a huge community that supported me and giving me a, a, a career. I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, you know, there's part of me that wishes that I was a climber back in the seventies when mm-hmm. nothing had been climbed mm-hmm. and when it was like this blank slate, you know, mm-hmm. and, and where it was just a small community of hardcore eccentric freaks who were pushing the sport because mm-hmm. that's what it was like, you know, in the, in the seventies mm-hmm. uh, for, for rock climbing. And I feel like that, I get that sense uh, that it's a very small, hardcore community of just a few eccentric characters that are pushing the sport forward. And that to me is really cool mm-hmm. and, and it's neat to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's my buddy, Zach. He's all, dude, he's all, this is totally like, you know, what climbing must've been like in the seventies He's all like, you know, none of the lines have been flown, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, I mean, it's just like five years ago, like nobody was doing, you know, like yeah. these big lines. And now it's like people are doing big lines on like on B-wings and stuff, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's like, Nate said when we, were, when we were filming 500, he was like, you know, 100 miles was so four years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, right? What? You know, and now it's just, yeah, it just keeps getting bigger. The broader. geometric. I, and, and it's and it's really being driven by dreaming, you know? It's it's just, it's just you know, you see, you see one pilot send something big and it's like, holy shit. That it can goes. be done. That goes, and then and what like, else how could I on? add on to that? Yeah. You're like, I could do that, and then keep going. Yeah. Or like, oh, maybe if that goes, you know, then maybe this line goes, and it's like, you know, it's really, you know, the the concept of flying deep, and also for me the concept because I think you know it's like coming from an outsider, you know, I have a unique perspective, right? Which mm-hmm. I think maybe is, you know, kind of a good thing, like having mm-hmm. someone who's like got a Absolutely. different perspective on things, has this, this climbing perspective, and. You know, and I see these people in there, it's like all about the distance and they're trying to fly these, these long lines. But what's really compelling to me are the, are the compelling lines, the deep lines. Yeah. They're like, you know, like you guys, like for just a couple of years ago, you flew over, was it Castle Peak? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that to me is like in some ways more compelling than the long line. It's that like committing line. Yeah, totally. It's that, yeah. and just that scenery, seeing something unreal like that, getting yeah. over a big peak, you know? It, it, it really was... Uh one of the most beautiful things I heard was, was Bill Belcourt when he, when we were interviewing him for 500 and he said, you know, it's not about, and this was right after I'd done the, the North American foot launch record here, you know, so I was kind of still on the high about that, but he, you know, he was totally right when he said, you know, it's, it's not about the records, you know, it's about finding an aesthetic line and, and, you know, and pushing, pushing something, what he loves about paragliding, which I just think is so beautiful is his quote is, you know, uh, pushing your own limits in a place where no one sees and no one cares. And there's a purity in that, you know, and exactly. that's, that's what, that's what it is about a set of line. It really is like flying to Jackson. It's not as far as we've flown, but it's, it's difficult and it's tricky and it's, and there's a novelty an to it, right? And it's, it's not, you're like, we it's land just, in Jackson and yeah. like, yeah, the whole thing. And that's like, to me, so that's like, I think where like, you know, Bill Belcourt as, as, as with a huge climbing background, right. And, and where I can relate to that is, you know, it's not about, you know, climbing the tallest mountain, right? Yeah. You know, that's like, because we have like, everybody's like, oh, if you climbed Everest and like as climbers, we're like Everest, we don't yeah. even respect Everest anymore. No. We think Everest is like the, the, just the largest conga line it's in the joke. world, right? Yeah. And uh, so it's not, you know, it's, it's about the aesthetic line. It's yeah. about the difficult line. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not about the, the long line. Mm-hmm. And, and um, although that's cool too, you know, and I, I mean, obviously, dude, you're like distance, like foot launch record and hearing that story, like like mind blowing, you know, and that's like ballsy 
gnarly shit. You know what I mean? And well, it's and like, that was the, the the beautiful thing about that is it was really aesthetic line. No one had flown it before, and that was you know it, it was a, it was a magical day. And you know those those days are really more about the day than the pilot. It really you know it really is, and someone will f- absolutely go farther. And it's but it's could be a while though. I think it you, you just need the right day, and 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 and, and those are impossible to identify from a forecast you just don't you know i happened to be in the air on the right day and i happened to launch late because i'd had a huge day the day before and i was literally going home to go to bed and matt and mitch who are really accomplished pilots were up on launch and matt was like dude you got to get up here and they had launched by when i was still on the chairlift and they flew into you know uh they were totally clouded out when they crossed the valley and you know and i got lucky it was i mean matt's a way better pilot than i am you know so it's just it's it really is a lot about the day and of course a mindset and stuff but it's you know i i think that and i think that said it right is it's just like the the aesthetic lines are i mean the really to this day you know probably top three flights of my life was a little 100k fai that i did in the north cascades last year after u.s nationals i hadn't had a very good comp and i was kind of bummed out and and i went up and and i i had never flown there and that was wicked it's like you're coming in when you don't know and you can bring a lot of you can bring a lot of creativity to that you know i just went out and kind of flew what made sense and i got back and the locals were like, what the hell? And those guys are sending it up there this year. You know, it just, it, it's just a matter of like looking at things differently. And it's, uh, you know, but Bill had just gotten back from Texas and, you know, had been down there for a couple of weeks trying to break a world record down there. And it was such a gift for him to tell me like, hey, I would have traded all those days for that flight in the North Cascades. And it's, and that's, you know, those aesthetic lines are really rewarding. That's it what doesn't have to be big. Yeah, it totally. Have to be big. Yeah, it's not, it, the length is, length is cool. And it's obviously one aspect of it. And it's a cool thing to chase. I could totally get, you know, getting like towed up in Texas and trying to go far someday mm-hmm. or something. You know what I mean? I get that. But to, it is, that's like, you know, what, what, you know what you and Will did, you know, in the Rockies and stuff, like going deep and getting to go over Robson and stuff like that's more kind of to me what it's about, you know, yeah. in, in, in my opinion, you know, mm-hmm. and, and from my uh, approach um, that I've had to climbing, which is, you know, that it's about the line and it's about the, uh, you know, the beauty of the line mm-hmm. and the, uh, the purity, the purity of it. And that's, yeah, the purity of mm-hmm. it. And that's, um, you know, that's like, there's a lot of parallels for, yeah. to climbing and paragliding. And, uh, and it's cool that it's like, really, they are, you know, sister sports. I mean, literally, you know, paragliding kind of developed out of it, you know, it's like a way to, to descend the mountain mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's, uh, and then it, it kind of went away from that, but I could see it coming back to that again, you know, with people like myself and, and others getting into the sport. Hopefully we can, you know, kind of come back to that a little bit and then, but, but still, man, the cross country stuff, dude, is so cool. Yeah, I could go on forever, dude. I know, That's like dude, I'm like sky cracked out. The sky crack is just like I just can't get enough of it, dude. I'm just like, oh my god, uh, I just need more. And then if I don't get it for like a week, no flying, I'm getting a little grumpy. Uh, it's more yeah, of it. It's like, a, it's like straight up. It's an addiction. It's, welcome to the addiction, God. It's I'd say it's more addictive than climbing for sure. It's it's mm-hmm. definitely like it's it's yeah. You got to watch that. It's like there's a weird full-on addictive quality to it to the air sports and i saw that with my friends who got into base jumping and mm-hmm. and so it's something to think about and enjoy like that 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 compulsion but at the same time you know maybe keep it in check and, and you know not let it um you know I, I drive think, you I, I too think far the really cool thing about about paragliding is yes it's dangerous we talk about the danger and the accidents all the time probably too much but it's it's you know there's a margin you know in wingsuiting there is not there isn't a margin and, totally and we saw that with sean and dean and graham and everybody else 
uh, and that's been sad to watch. And I think, you know, obviously that's going to be interesting to see where that goes, but, but, uh, you know, there, there is a margin with the right approach, you know, I think and, so. and training means a lot, you know, I don't think, I don't know, I'm not a wingsuiter, but, you know, I don't think that the, the training is, the training will not help if you go over that line by one inch. Yeah. You know, you just don't have a margin for error and you really do in this this sport you and that's do. pretty cool well it's like so the classic thing right in paragliding you have a cascade of events right mm-hmm. so it's like you know what I mean it's like a series of things that go wrong in base jumping it's just basically you, oh, you know you just like you just oh I misjudged yeah. and you're dead that's you it. know what I mean it's yeah. just not it's just there's way less margin for error basically mm-hmm. and uh, you know you can you know mess up like I did probably yesterday I probably just didn't you know maybe I just didn't feel something I mean it felt like the hand of God slapped me out of the sky for a second and then my you know, then everything opened back up and I swung under the, the wing and I was fine. I just had a little miniature, little, you know, skydiving incident. And, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, but probably there was something I, I missed, you know what I mean? Or something I didn't sense, or even I was just like, you know, I should have been like in the thermal instead of on the edge of it or all these different, different things, you know? And, uh, but I got like, you know, I was, I had a scary experience and I was fine, you know, but usually it's, it's like once it, once you make a mistake and, something like, you know, where you're going a hundred miles an hour with this guy, like wingsuiting, it's just like, it's kind of like you made your mistake and that's it. You, you, yeah. you pay the ultimate price. So, mm. so I appreciate that about paragliding. You have a, you have a room for error and uh, it's just, it's, I mean, you know, and I know it's, it's, it's dangerous and, you know, and, and there is this weird obsession, I think with paragliders about accidents and like every, you know, Bill was kind of complaining about like, oh, it's all, you know, in the, He's all like, why are, why? It's like every year Ushba like reports on all these accidents and why are we obsessing over all this stuff, you know? And it's like, he's all in climbing. So we have the, you know, the accidents in North American mountaineering, you know, it's a separate publication. If you want to read it, you can, you know, but why are we like, you know, obsessing all that? And I was like, kind of like, I'm all, that's interesting actually. Yeah. It's a different climbing. People die all the time. I mean, more people die climbing than in Mm -hmm. in paragliding, Mm -hmm. um, probably largely due to the numbers. Maybe Mm -hmm. the, probably it's more dangerous to paraglide still, but at the same time, it is interesting, right? It's just we have a different, like, kind of, we're just kind of more used to it maybe, or mm-hmm. we just don't obsess over it so much, um, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, maybe it's less important, but I mean, there is instructive stuff to all that, you know, that happens sure. in climbing with deaths and accidents and stuff, and, and uh, but there is this weird obsessiveness about it with paragliding. I don't know what it, what it is, and I guess, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think it, I think it's, you know, a lot of it's just, uh, you know, in, in climbing you have the whole, you, you have the the unseen risks in a sense, like with avalanches and I mean, mountaineering, I know is much more dangerous, but it's, it's, it's a lot of that stuff that you can't control. Whereas in paragliding that, you know, the, the accidents, it's never gear. You don't have gear failures or you don't have things that, you know, totally. things just don't just happen. You know, they're, they're, you've made a bad call. You're in the air uh, and you haven't judged the medio right. You know, all the signs are there. And so totally. constantly looking like, why didn't that dude see that? You know, or why didn't that? It, it's, it's always, it's always human judgment totally. that gets us in this sport. And that's, I think that's a lot of the obsession there is just like, you know, how do I avoid that? How do I avoid that? Totally. You know, how do I, how do I learn how to walk down? How do I learn how to, you know, how do I learn how to not push it? Totally. Or and that's something I've, I've really been thinking about a lot lately is that, you know, 
The flip side of that, though, is, you know, you're not going to learn how to be a rad XC pilot unless you come to Sun Valley, for example. You don't have to come to Sun Valley, but, you know, you, you've decided to come here and push things a little bit. Totally. And that's, you know, that's also required. So it's this really weird, you know, Give have I take. pushed it far enough? Have I not pushed it enough? It, you know, you got to, you do have to get to that line. And sometimes the nice thing is we can go over the line. We can red line it sometimes and get away with it. And you just have to be... You know, you have to be not redlining it too many times. Totally. Know, and not push that numbers game too much. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Yeah. No, I've, you've got it. I mean, you have to push it, especially in this sport. I mean, if, it's because a lot, you know, I mean, the whole concept of bump tolerance. Yeah. You got to get used to the fact that the sky is not like a super chill, peaceful place just because you saw that paragliding video or it looked all like, like they're just like birds soaring to the sky. No, it's like, it's like, you know, you're riding a freaking you know, like bumpy, bumpy road up there, you know, with like random crazy stuff that happens. That's hard to freaking understand. And, uh, and so that's like, you got to get used to that. That's called mountain flying. It's turbulent. It's, you know, you're just suddenly being this thermal that's ripping you into the sky and the hand of God has you and, and you have to be, yeah, (laughs) you have to be stoked and like, woohoo. And I think that's where, what makes you a good pilot actually is that that I can see in you that attitude of that like, all right, it's on, you know, mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. like as opposed to being like, oh my god, what was that? Because right. like you know what I mean. The difference between that is like, come on, bring it. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, it's good today. You know what I mean? <laughs> as opposed to being like, oh my god, it's strong today. And then you know that those two different personalities. One guy went and landed maybe in the heat of the day when it's really dangerous, ironically, and the other guy just friggin' like rode the friggin' bucking bronco into the sky right and now and and now it's going to have this epic experience so it's it's crazy it's very it's psychological it's intellect intellectual it has a lot to do with attitude as far as i can tell and, mm-hmm. and like hopefully i uh, the, the you know all those uh, long live paragliders thought about something different from a newbie who uh yeah. is very excited about the sport and it's been an honor to be on the podcast for sure. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Thanks I've been listening. I've listened to all of them, dude, because I'm like <laughs> cool. so obsessed with paragliding. I was like, listen to every podcast, you know, and I'm just like hungry for information and, you know, kind of well, like a new, like when I, how I was when I first started climbing, obsessed, reading every magazine and, you know, like yeah. watching every video, you know, like I never watched like a 10 minute YouTube video of GoPro footage of like some climbing guys more, but I will watch that in paragliding right now. So that's where I'm at with it. I love it. I love it. I'm I stoked. Love it. I'm new. And uh, yeah, it's best, best sport ever. It's incredible. great. Well, cool. Well, let's, let's end it on that. Let's uh, just for the listeners there. How do they find out more about you? Where, where can you be found? Oh online? yeah. Yeah. Just a quick Google. I mean, Cedar like the tree, right? Like the brothers. Um, I've got a, a website, I guess. Um, if you, uh, Search Sufferfest 1 plus 2. You can uh, watch both the films on Vimeo, on demand. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of funny stuff out there. I've got a Facebook page. Uh, You can follow me. Um, There's going to be a lot of paragliding photos. I'm kind of like trying to find the balance of still having climbing material, but... You've got a pretty cool, very cool and active Instagram account that I love following. So thank you. Yeah, Yeah, so you can follow that. And and I'm hoping, and and I think that a lot of, I'm a unique position where there's a lot of people who aren't aware of the sport and mm-hmm. um and who are learning about the sport through me and and i've definitely had people commenting like oh wow i want to do that or i want to get into that or how do i get into that you know and so i'm hoping uh that we can grow the sport i think it's an incredible sport it's in its infancy hopefully we get to see it um it blow up and and, and be the big sport that it deserves to be because it's a unreal dude 
It's but, unreal. Uh, I, agree, I couldn't agree more. Well, that's cool. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. People pray. It don't matter. Wasn't that fun? I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, I certainly did. That was great to sit down with somebody who's just got the buzz and <laughs> something fierce and is so stoked and uh, really inspiring to be around that kind of energy and. Um, I'm heading out here out the door shortly to join him again and I'm going to go try to get some more air time and uh, Nick Reese is in town so I'm hoping to sit him down this week and and, uh, do another podcast with him and then uh, as I've promised we've got Will Gadd on the show here coming up soon I've got to pin him down he's a very busy guy but uh, I've got some great shows coming up for you I'm going to try to make these more regular Uh, as always we are not sponsored Uh, just do this because I love it and I like to spread the knowledge and uh, all we ask for if you like the show and following the footsteps of a, a podcast that I love called Hardcore History and invite you to check that out it's a fantastic show with Don, Dan Carlin but uh, all we ask for is a buck a show it helps me pay for beer beers for these guys and keeps it going and uh, I will keep it going regardless but if you like the show you got some value out of it that's all we ask for there's a link there on the on the website buck a show thanks a lot cheers